Hello everyone, we're back. Um, we're going to start this episode by jumping straight in to discussing the causes of inequality on a macro and micro scale. I'll be focusing on micro and they'll be doing the macro side of things. Um, we're going to start this episode uh, a bit politically. Um, we're going to be talking about the capitalism and its effects on inequality in a country and uh, its economy. So capitalism obviously involves minimal government intervention where capital is owned privately and workers are paid privately by firms. Yeah, so since Adam Smith introduced the capitalist ideals of the invisible hand guiding the economy in his Wealth of Nations book in 1776, capitalism and communism have gone head to head with Karl Marx's ideals for communism. And this came to a head in the 1900s where countries were split with the Cold War going on between the capitalist America and the communist um, Soviet Union, where countries would have to decide which one to be allies with through their economic stance. And um, after the fall of the Soviet Union in the 1990s, communism fell with it. And where 41 countries were communist in the 1900s, only five now remain which are China, North Korea, Vietnam, Cuba and Laos. So the impact of this fall in communism means most of these countries have now become capitalist, which is a system encouraging wealth inequality as it gives firms more freedom due to the laissez-faire approach taken by government. I think there is the, uh, the, the clear incentive, the profit incentive of capitalism, which drives big firms, which now in a more globalized world where TNCs have power. I think there's a stat where Walmart has the same amount of power and money as Sweden. Jeez. So it shows the um, the size of the big big TNCs. Yeah. Um, and uh, obviously the FDI. And, but we're going to get on to globalization later on. Um, uh, so the laissez-faire approach the capitalists take it leads to deregulation and deunionization which reduces workers bargaining power with employers leading to them receiving lower wages and increasing firm power to make decisions so this leads to low-skilled workers um, losing out on potential income where this extra profits is distributed amongst already wealthy shareholders only increasing their wealth and increasing the divide between the low the low wealth and the high wealth i think a way of um evaluating that point um is the kuznets curve which yeah. argues as uh, inequality rises but then it gets to a point where it sort of plateaus and then due to the increase income in a more government interventionist market economy yeah. um yeah. wealth can be redistributed which through um inheritance tax and stuff like that um yeah so, uh, then lower inequality again yeah so the progressive taxes that's that government used to get rid of try to reduce wealth inequality but the growth in capitalism has also led to a growth in globalisation as these former communist countries 
who used to focus on domestic production and avoid imports and exports as much as possible um, have now gone away from this policy and a globalised economy has developed over the last 20 to 30 years to the peak of where it is today where your whole dinner is made up from things from five different countries. Um, so as the world has become more interconnected, um, multinational corporations can now relocate low skilled employment abroad where they pay lower wages due to less regulation. And this comes at the cost to in developed countries where low skilled workers now have um, lower employment opportunities. Yeah, I think um, impacts of globalization, like the negative impacts are something that I think definitely has to be look, looked into. Um, for example, when countries that have, like the developing countries, when there's FDI from countries like the bigger countries. So, an example, when um, China invested in an African country, I can't remember what one, um, building, they helped build a port that they fully like invested it all. Um, but then when the country can't pay them back, they're forever in debt to them. Um, which That's more than what China's plan was the whole time. To loads of African countries and exploit yeah. them. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the other negative impacts, like uh, the loss of sovereignty, which is like why countries like France, um, well, not as much now, but in the past, they've opted out of um, things that would increase globalization and global uh, integration, yeah. uh, fusion of the culture. Yeah, that's another downside. Um, and it leads to the exploitation of workers in the underdeveloped countries. But some may argue it's either that or having no job at all. So, and they're not forced to work. But um, these... That's Indian workers in Qatar. Yeah. Yeah, they're treated horrifically. Mm -hmm. conditions are terrible you but, could also argue that when uh, countries are relying on each other company, uh, countries become more specialised which could also lead to structural employment, unemployment yeah and it leaves them at risk of um, changing consumer demands that if they change and they've um, industrialised into one or two industries and these become less popular then they're at risk of their whole economy collapsing. Like in Burundi, they um, only focus on producing coffee and tea, which are two things where um, demand changes over time. Coffee, yeah. tea, they become more popular and less popular in countries. And when your industries are focused on two things, it leaves you at risk completely of demand changes. Okay, so I think um, we've covered globalization. Yeah. Uh, really, um, I don't know if we've got any more points, but I think we can move on to another cause of income inequality. Well, it's sort of a, a, it's a way of getting out of income inequality. Could be uh, government spending on supply side policies. Um, so it's something that I think is very beneficial. Yeah. Um, so spending in education which mean that people from low skilled uh, underdeveloped areas um, more rural areas you could say 
um, people can become more skilled, which means they'll be able to get jobs in different industries which are more uh, developed for the future. Um, but then there's also the there's always the ongoing negatives like structural unemployment and hysteresis. Um, yeah, time lags as well. You've got to consider that, and, and because of these time lags, it de decourages politicians from going through with these policies because they know they won't even get the credit for these policies' success, as these policies will take normally their full effect will take longer than politicians four or five year term depending on where the country is which is a reason why these policies often don't happen when there's clearly undoubted benefits i think someone that would argue those evaluative points would could say that something like the national minimum wage if that was upped um that would mean that the low paid workers are getting more money um uh, in the UK, people benefiting from the minimum wage has increased from 830,000 in 1999 to 2 million in 2018. That's after Tony Blair in the early 2000s increased minimum wage, uh, which is why. So you'd evaluate that point by saying um, firms that might not be able to uh, afford the minimum wage. So uh, it, if it increases, which would increase unemployment, uh, which would lead to obviously poverty and inequality uh, worsening but um, when this did happen before uh, firms just up the wages as the workers were just being exploited before yeah but in the modern economy with the increased globalized integration you can argue that firms a lot of firms will just relocate their labor abroad mm -hmm. a lot of their products, like Vodafone they now have their call centers in India yeah. rather than England because there's no benefit of having them in England where they have to pay I'm not sure how much it is seven eight pound an hour where in India they can pay three four pound for that exact same product yeah a large pool of workers as well so yeah. the turnover of workers be very high as well because they don't actually care who's employed they've got no loyalties there yeah and the lack of regulation unlike in England makes it a lot easier to for the high staff turnover mm -hmm. Yeah. The increased globalization has also led to advancements in technology, which has replaced low skilled workers. You could argue that this has been going on since the industrialization in Britain, which introduced the industrial age in the 1800s as that replaced workers. But um, recently, the machinery, electronic machinery, has change firms from employing low-skilled workers to automated machinery um, and the growth of multinational corporations has allowed firms to <clears throat> exploit technical economies of scale um, which increases capital spending on machinery boosting productivity but replacing low-skilled jobs so there's winners and losers from that yeah I think on a low-skilled basis you could definitely use that uh, <coughs> but I think um, I read a book recently um, called The Innovator's Dilemma and it said um, how as technology becomes more of a more of a thing in like businesses there's always yeah. going to be needing a manager to you always need that manpower because the, the human brain it's always not it's not very matched 
Yes, yeah, so it increases high-skilled job opportunities over low-skilled jobs, which for an economy you can argue is a good thing, as there now needs to be engineers in charge of machinery production and machinery maintenance, and it may lead to a more skilled workforce overall, as low-skilled workers have to train to gain employment. Right, incentive, yeah. yeah. Which is a good thing for the country, 100%. You can definitely say. Uh, another point to um, a way, as a way of combating inequality is increasing benefits to the, those in need of it um, yeah. through tax credits, food stamps, child benefits, etc. Um, yeah. Which is obviously good because those who need it most would be the ones that benefit. And um, welfare benefits, you could argue, better than the universal benefits because it reduces the burden on the taxpayer. Um, so it keeps everyone more happy. They're never going to be happy, but more happy. Um, however, the issues of this is uh, there's quite a lot of issues, to be fair. Um, the stigma of those who are receiving the benefits is always going to be stigmatised as being poor. Um, of course. And it may um, disincentivise people from working hard. The poverty trap. Yeah. As they think, what's the point? Don't get that much less for benefits and we can do nothing. Yeah, so maybe the government should grade benefits, uh, ease them off. So it's not just you either get them or you don't. Um, and then there's also like, um, not everyone collects them due to like application issues and like, but yeah. it, and, like stuff like ignorance. Just, Very strict uh, regulations around it. But you can argue when governments give out benefits, Unlike if you give tax cuts to the rich, it nearly always stays in the UK circular flow of income mm -hmm. because these people don't save it. They don't have enough money to be spending it on going abroad. So they spend it in their local economy, which boosts local businesses. And it yeah. comes straight back to the government in um, corporation tax and VAT on spending. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, with the progressive benefit system argument, there's also the progressive tax argument that um, government should focus more on progressive tax over regressive tax um, to incentivise people to keep working hard. Uh, it would also enable cuts in regressive taxes, like VAT and sales um, and increased welfare benefits were all help increase the income of the poor, uh, which reduce relative poverty. Yeah. Um, but then there's also just the same issues of that, of dis disincentivizing work, lower output and stuff. But um, yeah. increase of taxes, you could also say, because um, if you're getting less, if you're getting more tax, if you're getting higher taxes, you'll obviously be getting less income, meaning you're going to work harder just to just to keep going. Yeah, so there's a fiscal stimulus put on by the government of changing progressive taxes. Yeah, I agree with you there. All right, so I think um, I think we've covered it quite nicely. It'd be a good way of, like, a good exam response. Yeah. Um, so I think it's quite a common question that could come up. So um, what do you think, as your point of view, which is the main cause of inequality? To answer the exam question, to conclude. Well, I'd say... Oh, I think it's always got. It's going to come back to the government, just the way they deal with it. If everyone's left to do 
everything by themselves, then then something's going to happen if the intervening and something else is going to happen. So I think because that has a big impact on economic growth and stuff like that, then yeah, of course. it's always just going to come back to them. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, but I think the most important is the rapid way that the world has become much more economically integrated through mm-hmm. globe, the increased globalization over the last 30, 40 years. Um, and that leading to labor now being able to go abroad and reducing opportunities for the low skilled. And that has been brought around by the um, growth of capitalism and the fall of communism. And you can see that in statistics, how since the 1990s, when the Soviet Union collapsed, marking what some call the end of communism, um, has changed inequality, how much it has increased in developed countries. Yeah, no, definitely. Right, so thank you everyone for listening. Yeah, um, and we'll be keep uploading podcasts so stay tuned and get in contact with us through our email if you have any thoughts on the episode and anything you want us to cover in the future all right thank you bye peace out